0: I'm Dr. Becky, and this is Good Inside. Jesse Klein is a writer, producer, stand-up, and the author of the fantastic book, I'll Show Myself Out, essays on midlife and motherhood. Not only is it hilarious, it's also very poignant. And I think many moms who read it will feel very seen.
1: Motherhood is like a hero's journey. We think about the stories of like adventures, you know, and like it's Saving Private Ryan and war stories and like someone is saving lives. And the thing about being the mother of or the parent of a very small child is 24 hours a day, you have to be sort of passively saving their life, right? You're like, I have to make sure 24 hours a day you don't eat a penny and choked to death on a penny. And so my vigilance is the same as if I was in a life and death situation, but none of my surroundings look like what I've been taught a life or death situation, adventure, heroic moment looks like. I've just been taught that this all looks boring to people.
0: Jesse and I are about to get real about motherhood. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. If you're anything like me, mornings can be a real struggle. Between making breakfast, prepping lunches, and making sure our kids actually brush their teeth, the last thing we have time for is a kid having a meltdown about what they're wearing. This is where Goranimals comes in. Goranimals is the original mix-and-match clothing brand for babies and toddlers in sizes newborn through 5T. They're easy-to-pair and fun-to-wear styles, empower kids to dress themselves, boosting their self-confidence and independence. Oh, and making mornings power struggle free for us parents. That is a win-win. You can find all of their fun mix-and-match styles from their new spring collection in Walmart stores and on walmart.com. So here's to easier mornings, confident kids, and parents reclaiming their sanity. Here's to Garanimals. So if you're like me, you can often feel really overwhelmed During holiday season, I mean, there is so much to do for so many people, so much to organize, so much to cook, so many presents to buy. And often we're the last person on our list. And then we end holiday season and we say, why was I so reactive? Why didn't I enjoy it? Why didn't I show up as the parent I want to be? I have some thoughts about this. I think this holiday season is the time to do something completely cycle breaking. It's putting ourselves at the top of the list because I really believe there's nothing our kids want more than a grounded, confident, calm, sturdy parent. I set up Good Inside Membership with exactly this in mind. Of course, there's every resource you need for every single parenting problem. There's also every resource you need for you, the parent behind the parenting. It's all available at goodinside.com. Can't wait to see you inside. Let's just jump right into it. And I'm going to start by reading something you wrote. Becoming a mother alters every inch of your body, your routine, your soul, your heart? There's so many different (laughs) questions to that. Um, but yeah, tell me
1: where your mind goes. I mean, those are your words. So where do you go next? I (laughs) mean, you know, that was just speaking from my experience, the kind of full body truth of it. My son is eight years old now. He just turned eight. And, um, I wouldn't change a word of how that feels. It still feels that way to me. It feels like fully um, you have to kind of butterfly out of what you were. I can't speak for other people, but I just feel like I, I kind of have had to become mostly a different kind of person <laughs> than what I was. But no one says that, right? Like you're
0: pregnant and they're like, the baby? And do you have swaddles? And what kind of bottle are you using? Are you breastfeeding? Are you bottle feeding? Where are you giving birth? What are you going to name the baby? Yeah. Right? Like no one says, hey, just a little (laughs) FYI, becoming a mother alters every inch of your body, your routine, your soul, your heart. Just tuck that out. Just tuck that away. You might you might need it. It'll normalize some of the feelings. Yeah. There's
1: a lot of focus. I just remember... Yeah, when I was pregnant, there's so many lists, right? Like you there's a lot of passing along of the lists of things that you need for the baby. There's your your registry if you're doing one of those. There's like what to pack for the hospital. And it just like lists and lists and lists. But this big sort of explosive (laughs) truth about what's going to happen to your like heart and soul as it regards yourself feels very unaddressed, I think that was a lot of what really made me want to write this book,
0: yeah, you know one of the things I always hold dear is like true throughout every area of my life is we can't change the hard, we can change the alone, and being surprised by a truth or by an experience, there's such an aloneness when you're surprised, right? like why didn't anyone tell me this, and am I feeling this way, and no one talks about this, and then We do this thing where it's like, well, we we must be the only person who has that thing where your book, and I want you to kind of speak about this, um, and your sharing of your experiences, it doesn't change the heart, but it definitely will change the alone for
1: anyone who reads it. That was my hope. And that's, it's been really nice to get. um, I did get a lot of feedback from, you know, mostly mothers, a few dads, um, but a lot of women you know wrote to me on instagram and just said the phrase that kept coming up over and over again was i feel seen you know i feel less alone and that's the greatest gift as a writer i could ever receive and really was yeah i just didn't feel like there was a book um that was really about the mother's emotional emotional journey as a full human being outside like after having a baby and it feels kind of built into the system for a million reasons that I bet you could probably articulate better than I could about just why so many kind of core, hard, dark truths about being a mother are like unspoken and unshared. When did it hit you in the face? Was
0: was it like labor? (laughs) Was it a week after? Was it six months in? You know, like when you're like, wow, everything has changed. This is so hard. I feel shook kind of to the core. Yeah. Like when,
1: when that was the was first moment? Of I think really it was, um, I mean, even just being in the hospital, like I wrote a chapter called the underwear sandwich where, you know, the, the labor nurse, God bless them all, like comes into my room in the middle of the night and is like, okay, I'm going to show you how to make an underwear sandwich. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I did know, you know, that you're going to be bleeding. And I, I knew about that, but I didn't know about the kind of level of equipment <laughs> and insane <singing, laughs> you have to make an underwear sandwich with your witch hazel pads and your mesh underwear and an ice pack and then squirty bottle and all of these things and how hard it is when you just don't want to move, but you're in so much pain. So the underwear sandwich moment was sort of the like a kind of a, a almost comedic mm-hmm. one. But then I would say, yeah, just from the moment I got home, um, that whole first week realizing that breastfeeding was essentially like an around the clock, like nonstop, almost every minute moment, like just being trapped kind of in the bed. I was like, oh, I was. A, what is happening? I'm a writer. I used to just stand up. I'm like a gal about town. And now I have this Velcro pillow around me, like kind of 24 hours a day. I was suffering with postpartum depression. Um, Not surprisingly, it's just a huge, I was like, where, where am I? When do I ever come back? So I would say it was kind of pretty instant. Yeah. Just to double click on the breastfeeding thing
0: for me and for anyone listening, right, I too was like, I mean, I was a girl about town never after like, never after like 10 p.m. So you can't really be so about town. (laughs) Yeah, Girl about town.
1: Girl about town with an end date, with an end time. Yes. Like I like to go out to lunch. Okay. That was the kind of get a coffee
0: (laughs) here and there. A white wine lunch. Yes. So that's the kind of person I was. But that actually was a thing for me. And I used to say that. Like, I loved that, like, on a nice day, I could be like, I'm going to go get a nice coffee. And I could, like, go and treat myself to that, right? So let's just take that. I could go get a nice coffee. I could go say hi to a friend. I'm going to go do X, right? And and to me, the visual of that is, like, I'm sitting on my couch, and, like, I have this idea, or maybe it's a want earn urge. And then I'm like, oh! And you can see me. And then I'm, like, up. And I'm going to, like, go to my car. Or I live in the city, so I'd go walk. And then I'd, like, that— Urge and desire in my body, I was able to meet with movement and an action to then go express that urge or fulfill that desire. And then, in some ways, like the loop was closed. I did the thing I wanted to do, and then I'd walk. I'd probably see people. I'd probably, you know, I don't know, have some social interaction. I'd move my body. We all know that's good. And then I'd return, and I'm like, look Uh, at me. I'm a girl about town. I got myself a nice coffee. It's been a crazy, crazy Saturday afternoon. Okay. So now, you have a baby. And you're like, I would like a nice coffee, right? Maybe you're just like so overwhelmed. You're like, I don't even know what I want. But like, if you are lucky enough to remember what you want, you might be like me and be like, I want a nice coffee. And I'm sitting on my couch again. And I have this inkling, which I'm also so accustomed to, to like kind of pairing with movement and action and like fulfilling that loop. And instead, yes. Jesse, right. Instead, what, what, what instead is the experience like?
1: I mean, I don't, I hate to use this Term, but I guess we'll just. I mean, I just felt like I was in like jail. Like you can't move. The thing that was so shocking was was truly like I had been told like you have to feed your newborn. I I I think I'm remembering this right, but it's like every basically every 90 minutes they need to they need to eat if they're awake or even if they're asleep. You kind of have to wake them up. But what I didn't know was that it was like it's every 90 minutes from when they last started, not from when they finished. And then my son was just like the slowest, just like like a like Mm -hmm. an old man at a like an Atlantic City buffet, just like just slowly cruising around. And the feed itself would take to get him to do it and learning how to do it, it would take about an hour and a half And then I was like, oh my God, now I have to, but now I'm starting again. It was just insane. It felt, it really felt like I was trapped. Right, so then if you think
0: about the huge gap between like, I want to go out of my house. I want to go check this thing off. I want to get something for myself. Then I have the freedom of movement to go do that and complete the action and have the fulfillment and maybe wash rinse repeat again. Instead of that, and this is obviously just such a small example of it, but instead of that, you're like, Oh, like you're just like you kind of sink back to your couch, like kind of defeated. Even if like your baby, you're just like, I'm defeated just because I was like, I guess I can't do that thing. I'm I totally. wanted to do and I'm so used to doing. I have this, this baby I'm feeding. And I think something that was surprising for me was how hard feeding was. Like no one tells they don't, you. It, it's just like it's hard. It's a struggle. It's like they might be crying, and you're like, I I literally just want to be getting my latte so Yeah please. Instead, they're crying. It's so different. None of that kind of fulfillment happens of like you're in that moment desire. And instead, right, you are responsible for like sustaining this human through food, right? Like that's right.
1: I mean, over and over, it's your only job. And to be very clear, I wanted more than that latte. I really I was like, I need a drink which I did occasionally yeah, too. allow myself mm-hmm. to have and I I also want to I feel like it's just important to say too cuz um I feel very strongly about the pressure that exists on mothers now to like exclusively breastfeed or or honestly breastfeed at all um and I just I just wanted to take the moment while we're in this kind of visual to say I'm such a believer in dumping those pressures right out the door and i gave my son formula from like day 1 basically i wasn't making enough uh milk for him and i just it was and then i also i breastfed until he was like 8 months and i was like i'm done
0: i want to jump into something you just said because i want to double click on it i'm the same way i gave part formula right from day 1 but it's so interesting how insidious this narrative is because what you said, Jesse, is something I say to people too. I wasn't producing enough, right? Just, it is also okay. <laughs> Just be like, I am giving my kid part formula, all formula. Period. Period. Absolutely.
1: Period. Period. It's so, um, yeah. And what was really shocking to me also was like very good friends of mine, very educated women, very feminist women, like extremely independent women, outspoken women all fell sort of victim to the same shame and guilt about the breastfeeding of it all. Um, I know a couple of friends who were pushing themselves to the point of just, I don't, a nervous breakdown about, I can't give my baby formula, but my baby is coming close to not thriving. And it was so shocking to me. If I have like one thing that I want women to know, it's just like, if you just gave your baby formula, it would be fine. It would be fine. I mean, maybe, maybe even well, great. Like
0: what I often say, I yes, I often think that that stress, that panic, that total spiral into the abyss that moms can go yeah. into around breastfeeding, I have to think like, what if you're just giving your baby liquid cortisol? Like that's literally what's coming through your breast milk. Like I don't know anyone who's like, that would be great, right? What any child needs more than anything else at any stage of their development, is the sturdiest parent possible. That's really what they need. Because that is actually how you form the best bond with your child, the secure attachment with your child, right? And that is the end goal. (laughs) And then the conduits we all have to get there are different for everyone. For some people, breastfeeding, they're like, I love the way I showed up and how that bonded me. Ah, amazing. And if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my goodness, I am just like Jesse and Dr. Becky and for various reasons, like formula made more sense, part, whole, and even that could be the best decision you've ever made.
1: Because it's such a bummer to feel like, um, like you're missing out on being able to enjoy any of it. And I will say also my experience was, and the headline for me is, I went into having a child as someone who was, first of all, ambivalent about whether I was going to have a child most of my life. But I just knew I was never going to be a baby person. I knew like my time to shine, (laughs) to whatever degree I'm ever going to shine as a mother, would be like six and up. So it's very, I was having a hard time enjoying Babyhood, anyway, but I feel like, um, just because, um, the sleep, all of it. But I think if I had also allowed myself to kind of fully buy into the crushing pressure to only have my baby survive on milk I was making, I, I don't, I honestly don't know that I'd be alive. I, I, it feels awful. When I see women posting on Facebook, I'm still in a lot of mom Facebook groups, which have been such a savior for me over these many years. I still see women in knots about it. It makes me so sad. I wish we could release everybody from from that judgment.
0: If you're a parent of a tween or teen, this next message is for you. We are living in a digital-first world, and we're raising our older kids amidst an unprecedented mental health crisis. We know that the landscape has changed, and raising tweens and teens has never been harder. Plus, the data around us and the news coverage is staggering, and we know that reports of anxiety and depression amongst tweens and teens is at an all-time high. We know all of this is true, And still, I don't want to spread a message of fear. Not at all. I want to spread a message of empowerment and hope. Because after all, here at Good Inside, we're really on a mission to help you be a sturdy leader so you can raise sturdy kids. And I know it's never too late to start this journey. I am so excited to let you know that we are extending our support and resources in Good Inside Membership to parents of tweens and teens. From how to navigate phones and social media to how to support your teen through insecurity and anxiety, we equip parents with exactly what they need to help their teens successfully navigate through this turbulent world. Good Inside Membership is now supporting parents of kids ages 0 through 18. And what will you get? You'll have access to a digital, searchable library of short videos, scripts, and workshops for every single in-the-moment problem and struggle you might be facing. You get access to a safe, private, away-from-social-media community monitored by trained Good Inside coaches. You also have access to ongoing support groups with other parents led by Good Inside coaches to talk about the unique Struggles of the teenage years. It's all available at goodinside.com. I can't wait to see you inside. I think this is connected, though, right from the start to so many other things you talk about. And I think this big theme is the ways we've unconsciously defined good motherhood and how linked it is to sacrifice. And as soon as you say it, I think most of us hear that, we're like, what? That's messed up. Why should— But it's actually really linked to so many of the things that we assume, quote, good moms do, right? So again, we're not talking about breastfeeding only. We're talking about the sacrifice of, I don't know, essentially becoming a very, very torn down (laughs) version of yourself for— supposedly the betterment of your child, like, in some ways we're saying, oh, being a good mom is becoming the smallest, weakest, most tortured part of yourself. Like, that's, that's really what we're saying, right? And I think one of the things you talk about in so many areas of your book are, like, I don't think you say this explicitly, is, like, good motherhood, good parenthood is not defined by, like, any single action. And actually, every parent does a range of things, and this is what I want to do, has a range of struggles, has a range of thoughts, right? You say unimaginable th- thoughts. We have, yes. right? all of us have moments where we find ourselves imagining that we are capable of doing unimaginable things. We don't talk about this enough. These are your words. We just live with the secret feeling of being
1: guilty little monsters. Tell me about this. Well, you know, and again, I... I want to caveat it by saying like, this is going to sound dark. And at the same time, I don't want to caveat anything because I feel like one of the traps of how we've, we've landed here is that women aren't allowed to talk about the dark side of motherhood and the dark feelings we have. Mm -hmm. And that's why then when you have them to your point about feeling alone, because we're not allowed to talk about them, we all feel alone. But so the caveat dark thing that i wrote about in the book is just to say you know at least i gave birth in new york don't know if this is a national thing but when i left the hospital they like meet, they give you a pamphlet that you must sign or something that you've read about shaken baby syndrome everyone gets a pamphlet about shaken baby syndrome and you have to read it and acknowledge you've accepted it and seen it and the reason for that is not because like only one person in the history of the world has ever accidentally like really hurt their baby. It's because they know like something is going to come up where you're going to probably lose it. You need to know, like everyone needs to know this. And when you can lens like, yes, we're all going to like reach our limits. That's what I talk about in the book a lot is, for me, motherhood has been a journey of just feeling like, oh, my God, I'm at my limit. Like, and you obviously, and this is why you yes. are, and your work means so much to me, hearing you over these last few years sort of talk about how we all reach our limits and that that's okay and how do we handle that without hurting anyone and also how do we handle it and take care of ourselves feels, I just think that notion that like women are supposed to be limitless is so deeply Mm. threaded into everything about patriarchy. (laughs) Um, We all have limits. We just
0: do. You know what's interesting? My thought, as you said that, I never thought about it until this very moment. Women being limitless is just saying women are boundaryless. Women have no boundaries for themselves. Yes. Because one of the reasons we feel like, I'm at my limit is we haven't, we haven't learned that it's okay to set a boundary sooner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? That we are supposed to do everything for everyone and meet everyone's needs and always be patient and always be caregiving, right? And then, yeah, it's no wonder why we have certain moments where like, okay, I, I guess I have found the limit or maybe the limit has just smacked yeah. me in the face. I haven't even found it. It's just smacked yes. me in the
1: face. I mean, I will say too, and I I I wrote a little bit about this in the book too, you know, my I had a really amazing, um, OBGYN doctor, shout out Dr. Tani Sangvi. Um, you know, at some point she had been talking to me about, um, she's like, would you guys be able to hire a night nurse after the baby comes? Because we really didn't have family available to help us. And I had a lot of guilt about the idea. I'm like, what's who hires a night nurse? Like that's for rich people. That's so indulgent. Why am I having a kid if I'm not going to take care of the kid myself? And she was like, stop right there. <laughs> She's like, we are not living the way we were evolved to live, where you are in a village and you are, you know, giving birth when you're 18 and you've got a grandparent, a great grandparent, maybe even a great great grandparent in a village of people who are all relieving you at various times. We're living in this way where. We were never intended to spend this many hours straight without relief with babies and small children. And that was such a revelation for me. I was like, wait, I was like, Dr. Tony, that makes a ton of sense. In the modern world, she's like, we're just so much more isolated than we ever would have been. And I think just bringing it back to the idea of limits, like, I do naturally feel like, especially when my child was that age, you know, a baby toddler, I was kind of like two hours is when I start to feel my myself starting to crumple just even from the boredom alone. And again, I, I'm always worried when I say these things that people are going to hate me, but I, I think I've had enough encounters with other moms where people are just like, yeah, that's how I feel too. And it's not everyone, but I think it's a lot of people. So say more, paint the picture
0: of that boredom. I'll jump in too, so I won't even leave you alone in this conversation. But I know someone's listening being like, I hope she oh, expounds I mean, on boredom. The thing I talk
1: <laughs> I, I could go on way longer than this, talk about boredom. Um become a very boring podcast to keep describing it. But the one the image in my mind of when my son was like two and three years old was he his favorite he just loved cars and he loved to play cars. We had somehow and I don't my his dad's not super into cars. Cars became it. Loved cars, just wanted to push cars on the ground. And he, (laughs) because we live in LA, he got obsessed, I guess, with playing parking. And then he wanted to park the cars. And it's like, what's more nightmarish than parking? trying to find parking in real life is just playing parking (laughs) for hours on end. Hours and hours on end. And it sort of brought back that newborn baby feeling of being strapped into the nursing pillow where I'm sitting on the floor. It's Saturday. So like no one's coming (laughs) to help. There's no preschool. And we've been up since, I'm going to say 5 a.m. because my son's always an early riser. And it's like now 10 a.m. We've been up for five hours. Mm. And we've been playing parking for like, three and it's 10 and he doesn't want to stop. Um, and you're just like, how will this ever end? I'm not enjoying this. I don't like being a mom. Yeah. Am I a bad person? Is I feel like I've seen diaper commercials or, or other commercials where it looks like women are enjoying this and I'm not. And then this is controversial too, but I have a chapter in the book about how if we got to the afternoon that is when i would be like i'm having a drink i need one drink to get through this or maybe even one and a half because i am i've not just reached my limit i've now evaporated so far past my limit well okay
0: you've just said everything someone could say in a whole narrative where i would like to go back and kind of click, click on a away. couple different things so i'm going to i'm gonna, i'm going to i'm going to click okay okay first of all when my friends asked me what it was like to become a mom, because I had my first pretty young, um, and at least in my circle of friends, young. And so they all treated me like I was like the first human to like ever have a child ever. like, oh my God. And I've always, I-, I don't know, I've always just kind of said things how I've seen them. I'm not like someone who sugarcoats things. So whenever they said, how is being a mom, like how would you describe it? Because like, I'm going to get pregnant soon or whatever, I'd always say, it is the most interesting combination of insanely demanding and insanely mind numbing and i've just never experienced those yeah. two things at the same time and that's the that's exactly i think what you're talking about we're not used to that becoming apparent like you have things that are demanding but when they're demanding they're like interesting and they're kind of provocative and then you have things that are are mind numbing and like those tend to actually be like relatively easy tasks to do but like they're just mind numbing but to have something that is demanding and totally exhausting and at the same time so monotonous and mind-numbing I think is like a very new experience for our body and so that is what so much for me at least of what early parenthood was like and then what you're saying two years later two hours of a certain type of play with your child if it's not aligned with your interests if you were a car <laughs> aficionado you might have loved it I don't know you know yeah. never know could have been a good match but often it's not aligned. And the thing about that that I found interesting about what you said, right, is if for a moment you imagine yourself being there and you just say to yourself, like, I'm not enjoying this. I find this pretty boring. And then you just kind of watch that thought. The thought on its own doesn't actually give us a lot of distress. It's like, well, I guess it's as distressing as the thought of anything boring. It's just unenjoyable. The thought that gives us distress is that The fact that I find this boring and mind-numbing makes me a bad parent. And to me, this is like the core thing that I like to talk about, which is the way we collapse behavior or thoughts or feelings into identity. I'm thinking this, it makes me a bad mom, right? To some degree, again, good mom is equated to sacrifice or I just love doing whatever my kid loves to do. In which case, we're talking about a person with no limits because there's actually no boundary between what I like to do as an adult Woman, which is probably Parking, not matchbox cars and cars for like four hours in a row. He really loved Okay. It. And what my child does. So all of this is like really coming together. And I mean, there's so many different things to say about this, but what I want everyone at least listening, and you, Jesse, I'm sure you've given yourself permission for this by now is like really holding separate. Like, I am a good parent who is not enjoying this. I'm a good parent who, like so many other parents, doesn't like doing things hours and hours at a time like my child does. And and then it begs another question, which is, do I give myself permission to say to my son, maybe not after five minutes, but definitely before I'm ready to like, I don't know, you know, like let out a (laughs) vicious scream, can I say after 45 minutes, hey, you know what? I am, I'm car parked out. You seem not to be. Okay. You know, I am. And if you want to do something else together, here are the three things I'd be happy to do. I'm going to give you three. You pick one. And if you're really, really into parking cars, you know what? This is actually an amazing time for you to watch yourself learn how to enjoy something you're doing without me. And I'm going to like go to the kitchen and like have a cup of coffee and like write emails or whatever it is
1: that you want to do. I mean, that's, Gosh, how I wish this conversation had existed when I was sitting on the floor with those cars. Like, if you're not enjoying it, it doesn't mean you're a bad parent. I think, like, that's so magical to hear. And I I also think, like, just what you were saying about, you know, and it goes to even maybe that younger age, like, you know, what I was writing about, too, was the idea that, like, motherhood is, like, a hero's journey. And we're so used to, like, when you talk about things being demanding and high stakes. We think about the stories of like adventures, you know, and like it's saving private Ryan and war stories. And like someone is saving lives. And the thing about being the mother of, or the parent of a very small child is 24 hours a day. You have to be sort of passively saving their life, right? You're like, I have to make sure 24 hours a day, you don't eat a penny and choke to death on a penny. And so my vigilance is the same as if I was in a life and death situation, but none of my surroundings look like what I've been taught a life or death situation, adventure, heroic moment looks like. And at the same time, part of this does feel boring to me, but you are continuously in high adrenaline. Like you're saying, at the same time that you're bored, and that is just That's, such a specific, I feel like female journey. Yes,
0: and and what I thought you were going to say, which is another angle, it's like if you think about being a parent, it's like a hero's journey, and like that is what we're in the business of doing as a parent. Like, I, I guess you could phrase it in a lot of ways. You're saving lives. You are preserving life. Yeah, you are preserving life, and like you're hopefully setting up your kid. In a way, that helps them, like, live their best life. And I'm not talking about best life. Like, look at me on vacation, living my best life. No, like, <laughs> be boat.
1: There doesn't have to be a boat. No, you don't—no boat,
0: okay? No being boats. the best version of themselves. That is a hero's journey. And, again, like, nobody ever says to a soldier, like, did you love every minute? Like, did you love it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Was it your like, favorite? Like, Nobody—what people say is, yeah. like, thank you. And you are— So courageous. Thank you for your service. You've done something really important. I'm crying. Again, it's the, it's, there's such a big gap between what we're sold and just what is. And that gap, more than the reality, is actually what spirals us.
1: Yes. Yes. And the only way that it feels like that could ever possibly change, I mean, the way you put it just now is so perfect. It's like what we're sold and the reality, I'm trying to think of, I mean, I guess in the moment, the other examples of that don't matter, but it it is such a chasm that exists at least in this country society between again, pamper commercial land, just a beautiful mom staring into a beautiful baby's eyes and everyone's smiling. No one's crying or screaming. Um, and that's just not what it is, but I feel like the only way, we can ever kind of collectively get past that is just through talking about it and telling these stories yes that's and like women sort of saying being able to tell the truth and i think the fact that it it is still so hard for women to say this truth again lots of women who i think just people i personally know who i see as being so brave and outspoken and smart, still the shame that we carry about saying, this is hard. I don't like it. It feels awful.
0: So, Jesse, I could continue this conversation (laughs) with you forever, but in the name of the stories that are being told, and I'm thinking about all the moms, all the new parents who are listening to this, who are actually right now writing their own story of new motherhood. Yes. Like, what are maybe we could go back and forth. What are a few of the things that you would like if you were sitting next to them on that couch when they wanted to go do th- something and couldn't because they're instead like feeding or they're too tired or the babies, you know
1: has to go down for a nap. What 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 would you whisper in their ear? Oh my gosh. I mean, the first one is the one that's probably the least helpful, which is just like it gets better. <laughs> it won't always be like this. Like, this feels like forever. I remember that feeling. I was like, this is, I'm trapped this way. This is now the forever. And it's just so, the feeling is so big, it like shorts out any intellectual knowledge Mm -hmm. that they won't always be that way. Gosh, what else would I whisper? I'll just throw out a few. I mean, you are allowed to go on antidepressants. You should reach out to your doctor if you're feeling blue and there are things you can take that will help you through this time. Um, you're not a bad mom if you want to say like I need to give the baby to, you know, if you have a partner, give the baby to partner and take a walk or just take a break. I I guess I would say like anything you can do to take care of yourself, please do it. <laughs> you're not a bad mom for needing to have some kind of self-preservation here. I'm going to add on a few things too. You know, one of the things you said that I always
0: think about the hardest thing about my early days, you just said it feels like forever, like whatever's happening. I always said it feels like whatever. I remember in that time, whatever the reality was in front of me, it felt like the truth. Like my baby's not feeding. I have a baby who doesn't feed well. I have a baby who doesn't eat well. I am a mom who's not going to figure this out. Like This moment felt like the single truth. And so related to that too, if I'm sitting next to you, I'm just saying, I know this feels like the truth and there will be another truth soon. Like they're equally true.
1: That makes, that makes Uh me cry. Even now my son is eight. I feel like every, every few months there's the behavior or the thing just the same way with the baby where I'm like, Oh my God, he's being so rude. And now we're stuck this way. Or like, and this is forever. Is he like this? Did I make, is this my fault? I made him this way. There was a period where he was having tics. Yeah. Like anxiety tics that kicked in. And it was very so upsetting. I'm like, oh my God, this is the truth now. He's, he, those were like, this yes. is, we're stuck here. This is now where we are. And, and always it ends yeah. with, and it's my yes. fault. And we're stuck here. And it's never yep. been true, I will say. We've always moved through the hardest, scariest yep. things where I thought, yep. this is it. That's exactly right. Yeah.
0: And, you know, there's also, I I, don't, I think at a time if I was sitting next to a new mom, I would just probably say nothing and give a hug. I would say, whatever you're feeling, I have felt that way too. Yes, motherhood comes with the entire range of feelings from excited to down, and dark, and angry, and jealous, and mad, and all of that. And then I hope new parents are able to really start, to me, it's like a practice of saying to yourself, like, I am a good parent who, and then filling in the blank with the thing that they think threatens their good Parenthood. I'm a good parent who's not enjoying this. I'm a good parent who's bored. I'm a good parent who's daydreaming about all the things I used to be able to do before I had a baby. I am a good parent who, and it really like separates that like, wait, good parenthood as an identity is separate from any one feeling or any one moment, right? And it's like a little verbal trick we can say to ourselves to separate that.
1: Yeah. Yes. That's so powerful. I mean, that's what I would say to basically all of the women who were taking the time to write to me that they felt seen by the book, that they are like, there were so many women who were like, I have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a, a one-month-old, and I'm sitting, I'm, I've been overwhelmed, and I just, I don't know what to do, and I would just always write back, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job, and also probably the moments where you the least feel like you're doing a great job that is actually when you are doing the greatest job because you are in the struggle you are doing the heroic thing like that moment where it feels impossible and you are going to get through it even if it's yelling even if it's survived it's like if everyone has survived the day you're doing a great job yeah yes
0: I love that. I love ending on that. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for this really honest conversation. Thank you for sharing your story with so many
1: moms and dads who need to hear it. So thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Becky. Thank you for all the work you do.
0: Thanks for listening. To share a story or ask me a question... Go to goodinside.com slash podcast. You could also write me at podcast at goodinside.com. Parenting is the hardest and most important job in the world. And parents deserve resources and support so they feel empowered, confident, and connected. I'm so excited to share Good Inside membership, the first platform that brings together content and experts you trust with a global community of like valued parents. It's totally game changing. Good Inside with Dr. Becky is produced by Jesse Baker and Eric Newsom at Magnificent Noise. Our production staff includes Sabrina Farhi, Julia Natt, and Kristen Muller. I would also like to thank Eric Belski, Mary Panico, and the rest of the Good Inside team. And one last thing before I let you go let's end by placing our hands on our hearts. And reminding ourselves, even as I struggle, and even as I have a hard time on the outside, I remain good inside.